Because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have we done? Sorry. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you this day. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again, and the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the word of God, that it is true, dependable, profitable, and uh, builds our faith and reveals who you are and reveals who we are and shows us um, your character and nature and your plan in the world. And God, I pray that you'd move in power over us this morning. Father, thank you that the younger believers and younger people get to be with us this morning. I pray that you'd impact them in a special way with your word and that this could be part of a family conversation over God's word and what he's doing in the world today. Father, would you give me the spirit that I might preach your word boldly as is necessary and good. And Lord, would you make us excellent hearers in Jesus' name. Amen. Remembering what God has done for faith for the future. This was the issue for the Israelites here. And they had seen a lot. Amen? They had seen a lot. This generation of Israelites had seen the ten miracles that God worked over Egypt as he was destroying that nation. They'd seen a lot. And through these ten miracles, God was proving to the sons of Israel that he... Yahweh is the true God of the world and their God. This was his plan to come to to Egypt and to deliver the Israelites in such a way that their faith in him and their praise towards him and their glory in him would be astounding. Now, he could have delivered the Israelites quietly. He could have been a great Canadian God. He could have been the God of the Canadians and he could have come to Egypt and said, sorry, 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 sorry. And then all the Israelites could have been out of there. Right? He could have done it that way. Our God can do anything he wants, however he wants. He could have made a deep sleep, fall on everybody, and then shh, woken up all the Israelites in the middle of the night. We're going for a little journey. Grab some food. And they could have all wandered out of there quietly, but that wasn't the point. His point was to make a name for himself in the world through what he does, did to Egypt. And so he delivered Israel out of Egypt full of ten plagues, designed to show to the world that he is God over the world. And they saw this. So in the first plague, I'm going to recount the plagues to you because I want to, to get God his glory through what he did. The first plague, he turned the Nile into blood. And there's a couple things going on here. The River Nile is the big river that goes all the way through Egypt, and it's the only reason anybody was living there. Okay, Egypt is in the desert, which is not a great place to try to live and, and, and raise up a civilization. But this huge river that was going through the land there so that you could you take the water and irrigate crops and so it was actually a very stable place to live because you always had water which you don't always have when you're in the desert and so the Nile was their life 
But they had used this thing, which was God's gift to them and their life, for death. It was the place where they were throwing the baby boys to kill them to try to keep the Israelites' numbers down. And so the first miracle that God does is he takes their most dependable source of water that they had been using as a way to execute babies, and he turns it into blood, showing them that now is a time of their reckoning, and he is showing up as a God of justice. In turning the river now to blood, God is saying, I am the God of justice. The next three miracles... Sending a plague of frogs, sending a plague of gnats, sending a plague of flies, all demonstrates that God is the God over living creatures. And the Egyptians would have gods for all of these different things. People with like a frog head on, people with a fly head. I don't know how you draw that, but I'm sure they accomplished it. People with a gnat head, whatever. They, these, they, they have these idols that were in control of all the different things in nature. And here is God saying, you think that your God, Hotep or whatever it would be, is in charge of the flies. I'm in charge of the flies. And it will start this plague of flies when my servant Moses says it starts. And it will end when my mo- servant Moses asks for me to end it. And that's how long it will last. But I'm in charge of these things. But God is showing. He's in control of all these little animals. All these little, like a little frog that you can hold in your hand. He can send so many of them that it shuts down your nation. A little fly that you can swat on a window and leave a big smear of guts that makes it harder to drive down the road. He can send so many of them that you can't get anything done. Little gnats that are just, oh, they taste so tiny little thing biting you so much that you can't even think straight. All coming and going at the pleasure of our God because he's in control of these things. The next two plagues, the plague over the livestock, sending a pestilence on them that caused them to die, and sending boils on both men and beasts, God showing that he is Lord over sickness. He can command a plague, and he can kill all your animals, Egypt. And he can send another plague that covers your entire beautiful face with these big, fat, pussy, ouchy boils that you lance, and they explode all over your mirror. Yeah, exactly. And he's totally in control. They come when he calls them to come. They go when he tells them to go. He's in control of plagues and sicknesses. The next two plagues are a bit harder to pull together. The plague of hail and the plague of locusts. But both of these plagues were aimed at the crops of Egypt. A hailstorm with hail so severe that it just crushed the crops. Followed by a locust storm so thick that everything green disappeared. Coming at God's will, ending at God's will, coming at God's command, ending at God's command. And in this way, showing that he's the Lord over weather and showing that he's the Lord over the harvest, he's saying, I am God over the future of any nation. I can take away their food supply and end this thing. The ninth plague, the plague over darkness. God is God over even light and darkness himself. And the great God over Egypt was Ra, the God of sun and and. and God just said, I can actually make it dark one place and light in another place. And it starts when I say it starts, and it ends when I say it ends. And then finally, in the tenth plague, the Passover, God showing that he is the God over life and death. So all these ten miracles that all these Israelites not only heard about and kind of said, those are interesting stories, maybe we should make little pictures for our Sunday school classes. Wrong devastating cataclysmic events that they not only lived through but were blessed to not have happened to them many times they have all these experiences 
so much so that they crush the pride of Pharaoh and he finally sends them out and they're walking through the desert as a people loaded down with the riches of Egypt who have had their firstborn children spared by uh, sacrificing those lambs in the Passover and putting the blood over their doorposts. And here they are, this, this, this rescued, saved people out in the desert. And God has this plan for them. He's like, I'm not done with Pharaoh yet, so I want you to start wandering around like you don't know what you're doing. First you go this way, then you go this way, then you, you camp out here, then you go this way. Look like you have no idea what you're doing. This was leadership training for church leadership. That's a little joke. Because God sometimes likes to give the appearance that nobody knows what's happening. And sometimes people really don't know what's happening. But God is in control, and he's got a plan. And so here they are wandering around, and he's luring out Pharaoh's army because he wants to really, 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 really demonstrate something. And out they come. And what do the people of Israel do? They get together, they have a prayer meeting, and they say, guys, we have just seen our God do amazing things. This is no big deal, right? That's what they do, right? We have just seen God do amazing things, and not just one. Any one of those things would have been worthy of our trust and praise and our confidence in Him. Any one. But He did ten. It was a ten-for-one deal, which is great even for Mennonites and Scottish people. They're even interested in those kinds of things. It was a ten-for-one deal on miracles this time. Why don't we just chill? Is that what they did? No, they saw Pharaoh coming, and they looked for the first person to lynch. And, they're, they're, and obviously it's Moses' fault. He's the one who showed up with the stick and the miracles and led them out of there. So now they're in trouble and let's kill Moses. And, and they, they say the most crazy things. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to come out here. That's crazy. Now on the other hand, it is, it, it's easy to judge, right? It's always easy to judge. Does anybody here ever panic? Anybody? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to panic. Because when you're, when you're, when you're kind of stuck in a sinful mind like, like I have, you always think that the next problem is the big one. You always think that the next thing that happens is the thing that God's not going to come through on. You, you always think whenever God just does something awesome, now you're on your own, right? You, you think that you're praying, oh, the, the finances won't come through and we're in trouble and we're going to lose the house and all of a sudden the money shows up and you're like, whoo, God did it. But that's the last time, isn't it? He's done. God's up in heaven and he's pulling out his pockets like this and the little moths are flying out of there and he's like, you guys better behave yourselves because I'm out. I had to remortgage heaven in order to pay for that last financial breakthrough. And, you know, I, you know, the Royal Bank owns this place until I can, you know, get a third job. And we all, isn't that what happens? Isn't that human nature? The last big thing that God did, we're assuming he ran out. His, his gummy berry juice is gone. His magic wish wand is all broke. He's done. Well, no. Right? Right? Instead, actually, what God wants from us is He wants us to have a collection of things that He has done 
in Scripture and in our lives for us to be drawing from so that whenever something new happens, we go, God can handle this because He's done this stuff and He can do it again. That's what He wants. Right? 2017 was all about us collecting together, together the activities of the living God, faithful and true, so that when we go into 2018, we will have testimonies of how God can do it, so that when we're facing new stuff in the future, we will say, okay, guys, let's just calm down. God can do it. And, the, and he didn't necessarily pull a muscle on the last job so that he's going to be kind of limping across the finish line for this next one. He can do better next time. Amen? He can do it. That, that, was, that was the ten plagues. He crushed a nation. Ah, 600 chariots. We're dead. Wrong. Right? Wrong. Right? Wrong. And so Moses rightly says to them, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. This is the big thing. Stand still. God is alive. God is alive. Our God is alive. We can, we can wait for him. We can expect him to move. And he's moved before. When he moves, it won't be the first time. When God moves for us in 2018, he's not going to send up a cloud of dust because he's been sitting there doing nothing for so long that he's gotten layers and layers of dead skin and old clothes all over him so that when he moves, he'll be like, <laughs> oh, you finally showed up. No, he's been moving lots. Amen? And so, Christians, Calvary Chapel, we're supposed to be not just 2017, but just savoring all the things that God has done on our behalf, personally and all together. Did you know that Calvary Chapel should not be here? Amen? The history of our church was there was like, like this moral failing, leadership failing catastrophe that happened a couple decades ago, and the church went down to one-tenth of the size that it was in a few months. Amen? And it was only because there were some people who didn't get the memo that, this, that they kept showing up. They prayed about it, and they got the wrong answer, so they kept showing up. I prayed, and I was expecting to get told to go to one of the better churches, but it didn't happen, so I'm stuck here. 25 people. Not even our biggest children's ministry classroom. It should have died. But God resurrected this church. Don't forget, we're not going to die. God already had his chance to throw the shovel full of dirt into Calvary Chapel's face, and he didn't take it. He hasn't set us up to die. He hasn't set us up for failure. We're not going to die. And then he rebuked us. I wasn't here, but he rebuked us. This is my family history. Amen? I think I preached on this before about getting a family history. I wasn't here, but this is my family history. He rebuked us because as as we were part of this kind of smaller church, we had a bad attitude about children. We liked it when they weren't here. You know, because every once in a while at the end of the service, you're trying to get your charismatic mania on, you know, and then they start like snotting on your leg or running by, and it just wrecks the groove. And, And we got rebuked. And you've got to invest in children's space. And they, we listened, and now what? Yeah, don't drink the water, Dave says. We can hardly even, we don't even know what to do with ourselves. There's kids everywhere. God gave us a prophetic word that he was going to give us an African nation. 
And we thought it was this one African nation for a while, and then everything fell apart, and we wondered if it was all wrong, and we just lost a bunch of money and a bunch of things that we bought, and everything was going wrong. And then all of a sudden, this Rwandan guy shows up here out of nowhere and shouldn't even be in North America or in Canada. And then he gets discipled and invites us back, and then one thing and another, and a nation's going to get changed. Okay, God's been doing it. And we're supposed to be gathering this stuff together and be going, he can do more. He can do more. He's not done. And yes, there's going to be little, there's going to be problems. Okay, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I'm going to do some prophesying right now. In 2018, you're going to have some problems. Uh (laughs) See, I just ruined some of your day because already you were thinking, 2018 is going to be my year. No problems. Handsomer and handsomer, beautiful and beautiful every day. Everybody liking me. Only thumbs up on my Facebook page. None of the like, shock, how could you put that on, on public Facebook page responses? Only more money. Only more health. Best obeyed kids, obeying kids ever. Children waking up in the morning. All I want to do with my life is the dishes. Ah! crying, <laughs> dishes and the vacuum cleaner's broken. <laughs> Not going to happen for most of us, maybe one or two. But you're going to have problems, amen? You're going to have relational problems. People who love you and you love are going to hurt you, and sometimes they won't care. People are going to let you down. People who you don't want to let you down are going to let you down. It's going to be cold. Amen? You might get a sunburn. Some of us are going to have to go to a funeral next year. And it could be somebody really close to us. And too young. Amen? So we're going to have problems. In those moments, are we going to remember who God is? And what He's done? And can do? And can we bring to Him how we're doing and saying, God, show me who you really are again? Amen? And when you panic, when I panic, uh, know who the people it's good for you to panic towards are. I do panic sometimes. Amen? So the only way for me to deal with it is to know who it's really helpful for me to panic at. And it's people who respond kind of like the Lord responds. I kind of like how the Lord responded to Moses here. Moses is obviously bringing the situation to God in prayer. And the Lord says to Moses, this is verse 15, Why do you cry to me? You see, because in the Old Testament, they hadn't learned about like peer-to-peer counseling yet. And, and they, haven't, they, didn't learn, they didn't have manners back then. God only invented manners a few days after the cross. So back then, you didn't have manners. And so when somebody comes to you going, we're all going to die, it's okay to say, stop crying. Well, I do get that every once in a while still. When you panic, it's really helpful to have somebody say, I understand, you need to figure this out with the Lord. Right? Don't quit. Don't run. God hasn't failed you. Don't blame other people. Don't try to find the Moses in your life that you get to blame for all your problems and why everything's going wrong. Sort this out with the Lord. Sort this out with the Lord. So here's the Lord talking to a bunch of people who legitimately are afraid of dying in the next few minutes. And he says to them, why do you cry to me? Instead, he says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, which is a symbol of lifting up God's authority and prayer. Stretch out your hand over the sea and they will go through on dry ground. 
brand new miracle like nothing has ever happened before. Because one of the things, you know, we're not more creative than God. Amen? If somebody 50 years ago you said they're going to be these like cool smartphone things, it's like a piece of glass with some electricity inside of it, and you're going to be able to call your best bud in, in, on the other side of the planet through it, you'd be like, that's so dumb. Computers are the size of a house right now. We could never do that. And then we invent these things. We're like, we're so smart. No, God is more creative than all of us put together on his worst day. So he's not done with new fantastic ways to make us worship him through how he comes through. And this is the thing. I always get a little depressed when I'm thinking about an issue. I'm like, well, God could do this. I'm like, he'll never do that now because I thought of it. (laughs) This is not what he does. Like, I I imagine that God could come through like, it's never going to happen like that. And you know what? It never has. Anytime I figure out what God needs to do or could do in order to show through and I'd worship him, it never turns out like that. Because he's like, boring, easy, no problem, won't even get out of bed for a a do-over. New stuff, new miracles, new coming through, new problems, new solutions, new demonstrations that I am the living God. Amen? So, maybe he does some things twice. I am a twin after all. So how can we really be wise and know how to enter into 2018 with wisdom, storing up testimonies of God's faithfulness in order to have firm confidence in the future? One of the best things to do is to remember that God's plan in this world really is to glorify himself, to bring himself glory. Amen? Did you know that? It's true. And this can rub us the wrong way because most of our culture is devoted to teaching us that the most important person in the room right now is wearing my shoes. Amen? Who's the most important person in the room? He's got two thumbs and you're looking at him. That's, that's, that's kind of normal culture. And so we love that part, the parts of the Bible that talk about how much God loves us. We love those parts of the Bible that talk about how God's going to be faithful to us. We love those parts of the Bible that talks about that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We love that stuff. But we often fail to get next step in the progress of praise. David says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, the reason I'm fearfully and wonderfully made is so I can praise you. is for your glory. And so here is God doing all this stuff with Pharaoh, and he's going to save the Israelites. He's going to take them through the water. And his main mission in this is to get glory over Pharaoh and to make a name for himself in the world. And he says it over and over and over so that Egypt will know that I am the Lord when I have glory over Pharaoh. You guys get to all live so that I get my glory over Pharaoh. Do you know that's true? Read through Ephesians chapter 1. He loves us for the praise of his glorious grace. He adopts us for the praise of his glorious grace. He's given us the Holy Spirit for the praise of his glorious grace. He's given us open a future for the praise of his glorious grace. 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 This is the reason. Why are you going to have problems in 2018? For the praise of his glorious grace. Why is God going to come through for you in 2018? For the praise of His glorious grace. Why is He going to stir you up to do more for Christ in 2018? For the praise of His glorious grace. Why is He going to pick you up out of the grave when you fall down so hard you think, everybody's going to quit on me because I quit on me. Why is God going to say, I don't quit on you. I'm going to resurrect you from the dead. Why is the ultimate, unbreakable, unshakable reason God's going to do this? For the praise praise of His glorious grace. 
Now, there is a way that we can feel like, this isn't very exciting for me, Rob. This is the worst part of your message. Like, I like the miracles part. I like that he's going to come through for me part. That was the worst part. It wasn't even like a one out of 10. It hit the negatives for me. It went down to like negative 52, which is the temperature outside as well. So just good, good tie in there. But, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone and seen anything awesome in nature? The Rocky Mountains, the ocean, the Grand Canyon, the desert. Have you ever seen anything awesome just stretched out like a prairie field totally covered in kill you blankets of snow? Have you ever just gone, wow? In that moment where you like, hey, Grand Canyon, tell me how great I am. Driving through the Rocky Mountains, almost going off the road every turn because the mountains are so majestic and huge. You're like, hey, Grand, hey, Rocky Mountains. Do you love me? No. When you see something glorious, you forget about yourself. And you're just like, this is the best. This is the best. When I have forgotten about myself and I am seeing something awesome, this is the best. This is why we sing worship. We're supposed to be forgetting about ourselves and just singing to the best. Because we're seeing the best. And we're enjoying the best. And this is one of the tricks of the Christian life. It, 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 it's about seeing the glory of God. The best thing ever is to see Christ and to forget. And yes, he loves us. And yes, it's his glory to love us. And yes, he's going to be faithful. And yes, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And yes, you are important. Don't, let me, don't hear me saying the other thing. But if you want to get through 2018 well, ask God to help you see his glory and love his glory, and to know that whatever happens, God is working towards the praise of his glorious grace in the world. That would be a good thing. Why don't we pray? God, I just thank you. God, would you be so huge at Calvary Chapel? God, would you be so huge in Steinbeck? God, would you be so huge in Canada and in the world? God, so awesome and glorious. God, I pray that you'd grip the hearts and minds, even of our children. Lord, that they would see it and they would say, wow, God is amazing. God is amazing. Christ is amazing. The Spirit of God is amazing. And God, I pray that as we treasure together and we think about all that you've done here, God, we would look forward to the future and say, you are not a trap, God. That the more we trust on you, the bigger is going to be our collapse. God, you are faithful and true, and you are determined to do us good for your glory and your grace. And amen.